Today's episode is sponsored by Zegama Beach Records, and they'd like to tell you about ZBR Fest 2024, which is May 4th and 5th in Chicago. They've already announced the first slew of bands, which includes Capsule, Loma Prieta, Nuvalescura, Astraca, Infant Island, Senza, Widow Dusk, Burial Etiquette, Masanera, and so many more. You can get pre-sale tickets at zbrfest.com. And that's not all they've been working on. Recently, they've released the four cassette box set discography from Gifts from Enola, which features the song you're hearing right now. Find that and more at zegamabeachrecords.com. Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Edie Quinn, and we have a great show lined up for you today. Before we get started, though, I'd like to remind you about the Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash human machine. Sign up there for $3, and you can get an archive of zines, comics, exclusive music, and more. Patreon.com slash human machine. And now, I'd like to play something for you. You're hearing Intro by Uncertainty, featuring my pal, Tim Birkbeck, on vocals. A lot of you may know Tim from their former podcast, Just an Insight. It was a great time chatting with Tim, and it was a lot of fun to put them on the other side of the microphone. I don't know if it's the first song that I ever heard, but the one that like jumps out to me is um, "Everybody Wants to Rule the World" by Tears for Fears. There was definitely there was definitely more songs before that, but I just have like a vivid like memory of like being in like my parents' car and us having like Tears for Fears greatest hits like on repeat and that one that song being like one that's like sticks out in the memory mm-hmm. but yeah there, there, there probably is like songs before that but that's yeah that's the one that really like like immediately came to mind like that or like something like something by omd or like new order because like that was like the stuff that my parents like listened to um your parents are cool <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, my like my dad was like a big like police fan, like Roxy Music um, and stuff like that. So we like me and my brother were like always surrounded by like stuff like that. But yeah, Tears and Fears is the one that really sticks out. Yeah, have you heard like at some point they did like a different version where it says everybody wants to run the world? Yeah, apparently that was meant to be like the the original, and then they kind of changed it for radio. Really? That's I, I could be completely wrong, but I swear I read somewhere that that was what it was meant to be. And then like because of like record deals and stuff, they like they changed it for radio. Huh. Why I wonder why rule would would 
I, you know, if you said like they changed it because of something, it would have made sense to me from like a writing perspective to, for someone to say, hey, run kind of doesn't sound strong enough. Let's put yeah. a little more oomph on this, you know, and say rule instead. So, yeah, that, I mean, that does make more sense why that version would exist like yeah, yeah. 20, 30 years after the fact, like when, you know, it's like kind of one of those things nobody asked for. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like the, the song was great. Like it's, it's a great song. I never, I could never hear the never, like everybody wants to run the world version again. And I'd <laughs> yeah. be more than happy with that. But it's like the one that I always hear now for whatever reason, probably because it's, it's the newer version or whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's wild. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll have, I'll definitely have to look into that. And I mean, yeah, it could be completely wrong, but I swear I read something like that that they, that like that was the original version, and then they changed it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, if that caught me at a different point in the day, I would have already like looked into that but like it's always like i'm just listening to music i'm just doing dishes you know and as soon as i get done with dishes i got something else to do so i'm not you know if that caught me like i'm sitting around like like playing a video game for the like 30 minutes a day that i actually managed to do that then like i totally would have you know spent my video game time like deep diving that like why is this but uh yeah now i'm now i'm even more curious but yeah it's it's so (laughs) weird so weird just like i don't know or just like (laughs) the the other the other um random stuff that you hear that i always think is so weird is like okay like so you know, nobody asked for this, but like one song that is in just rent free in my brain more than any other song. I don't really know why, but it's Jermaine Stewart's We Don't Have to Take Our Clothes Off to Have a Good Time. Like it's just so <laughs> catchy, right? And, yeah, yeah. And there's like a version of that that comes on, like, is that is like 10 minutes long. It's like an extended, like, remixed, like, it doesn't have all of the vocal choruses, but it'll have just like a chorus, and and it's just like who a- who asked for this? Nobody asked for yeah, this. Yeah. Like what is happening? Like, like nowadays, with like how easily accessible music is, like you get like all these like older bands like releasing like unreleased stuff and things that like are from their archives, and it's like yeah, like I didn't know I wanted this thing but i'm i'm really glad they exist yeah a lot of it is that way yeah 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 and i think that's like a really cool thing that like older bands are doing to kind of like get i guess in some aspects like a new audience because obviously like younger people are discovering their music because they're releasing like older stuff that's now new it's really weird yeah it it's i mean like I didn't I didn't mean to sound like oh I like it's just like some of the remixes and stuff is is a weird yeah. thing but, but I'm I'm definitely all for like just how um all these archives are able to be able to be shared and stuff like I got in my inbox today an unreleased Spirit of Versailles song from the demo like wow, wow. I can't I haven't had even a second to like get into it and listen to it but I cannot tell you how excited <laughs> like like I am <laughs> yeah. about that like um and it's just 
yeah, it's, it's amazing, like how, but yeah, I guess that's the other end of the thing, right? Is that it's just like, like, uh, and I mean, if they're like, if an artist that's like hasn't, you know, made a fair living, like on on like their their work, like in their entire, you know, career or whatever, makes a little bit of money by like putting out like five or six different remakes of you know like their biggest hit song then you know i guess it's like i'm all for that too because it's like but yeah it's just that's the other end of the thing right where it's just like because dig digitally like i mean there are people that are like leaps and bounds better at this than i'll ever be you know and so like they could probably literally just like grab the song off YouTube and totally remix it. The yeah. artist find like they they send it to the artist. The artist is like, I like that. Can I use that? You know, or like just the accessibility and the yeah. the ease with which all this like you don't need the original tapes anymore. You yeah, practically yeah. you could practically split these things into pieces. Like I mean, that's how they do that half the time. I imagine. Yeah. I, I don't know how that works, but um that like that's I you know, that's above my pay grade. I <laughs> <laughs> like I can't even program a like a, a drum machine. Like I'm just like, no, I I can get I can play them, but <laughs> um yeah, it's I don't know. It's it's wild, but yeah, um definitely have to look into that. That's a good one to start with though, I think. There's a lot yeah. going on in that song. Yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. And I thought, obviously, like I think, as I've got older and really understood what they were singing about, I think it obviously takes on a whole new meaning. But uh-huh. just listening to it in the back of my parents' car. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you say like your parents were really into sort of. I mean, I guess you know the. It's it's really weird. Like at the time, I suppose a lot of that was probably kind of just considered pop music by most people. Yeah. I think like the, you know, some, some bands would be called new wave, you know, or whatever, or that's how we would refer to them now or, you know, um, whatnot. Um, some of those bands even, you know, some, uh, would be described as like post-punk or, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, um, uh, did you like go to any like gigs or whatever with your parents when you were a kid? No, no. So I didn't actually go to my first show until I was about uh, like 14, 15. Um, um, my brother took, took me along. So I've got like an older brother and he was very much like, I guess like my gateway into like punk and stuff. Um, and I remember like, because he, so he's four years older than me um, and he obviously starts going to gigs. And I remember like, him and a bunch of his friends went to see uh, Slipknot at our like local guild hall, and I was like really bummed out that I couldn't go because I really liked Slipknot, but my mum said I was too young to go. Um, so like I kind of like just kept nagging my mum to be like, no, I'm not, I'm not young enough, I'm, I'm old enough. Um, and then eventually, I, th- I think it was either for my 14th or 15th birthday. Um, I got tickets to go see the movie life um, at our local venue. So that was, yeah, that was the first ever gig that I went to. So is that like, is that like a, 
a few thousand people? Like, what's his? I know who the movie life is, but I don't know what their shows would look like. Uh, so at that time, um, oh god, I think the Wedge Dreams is like about two fifty, three hundred cap. So not like oh, huge, okay, but, okay. Um. So yeah, but and even like then, I think from memory, like the venue was only like half full. So. Like, where I'm originally from, like, uh, is a city called Portsmouth. And, like, it's not... It's got an okay, like, music scene. Um, but it's very much, like, it caters for popular music rather than, like, punk, hardcore, DIY stuff. So whenever, like, metal bands came through and stuff, it, if it was a big metal band, it would be, like, a really popular show. But apart from that, it was, like, really hit and miss. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like your first show was, it it wasn't that dissimilar to a lot of shows that you would go to, like, you know, even now or whatever, where it's just maybe, like, at the most, like, 200 people. Yeah, like, obviously, the, the venue was, like, like a proper venue. It had, like, a, like, a big stage, barricade, all that. So, like, I remember, like, going in, being, like, having that sort of, like, initial, like, wow, this is amazing, sort of, like, mm-hmm. big show kind of thing. But then, obviously, a few years later down the line, I remember seeing, like, my friend's bands and my brother's band play that same venue. So, yeah, it, it was very... And, and that was the thing, like, that was kind of, like, the venue in our city. So, like, even if bigger bands came through, they would play there. But then you'd also have like the local showcases there as well, so it kind of had a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so, like yeah, it was like I guess I didn't really kind of go to like any sort of like like arena shows or like really big shows like until I was much older. Like I was always going to like those shows that was like between like three hundred to. 800 people like maximum sort of thing yeah yeah my uh, my first show uh was like uh like cinderella and like so so like this was like yeah this was like a big show and there was like yeah and then even when i saw like the first show that i ever went to sort of like by myself um i mean i was with friends but i but uh like we didn't have a chaperone or you know nobody's parents or yeah whatever, yeah uh was the dead milkman and then when that was still that was like a pretty big show yeah like, yeah so i didn't get into um i didn't know about diy shows until we basically started making our own you know yeah like um i didn't have that exposure it was just like it was just us being like well, we rent the we rent these uh, warehouses to practice in. But what if we just told people to come watch our bands play? And so we did that. And then we we just thought that's you know well that was just a thing for us to do. And then later, you know, I find out like oh you know like people do this kind of thing like all over the country. Like yeah yeah. I mean we play like Comer Gale played a show <clears throat> like pretty much just like that like in uh bratislava you know and uh, and and we played a show 
uh, just like that, like in Alabama, you know? So it's yeah. like, um, we didn't, you know, we thought we were just like being sneaky, being whatever, but we were, we just like in the zeitgeist, you know, like we DIY'd ourselves. Like, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I always think it's like, it's so interesting. Like, you know, like, you're saying that he, there was this show, like it had the barricades and it had yeah. like probably, you know, some couple proper security guards and whatever. But so in this respect, it's like not a DIY show. And, yeah. and then, but then like at the same time, this amount of people, it's like, we're, we're kind of used to that. And so the, the whole like, uh, interacting with the band and stuff, um was probably not like that was that was still different that was still the band is the band and it's not just like you're gonna go up to the band and talk to the band and a little bit like so like they kind of had there was like a merch area that was like outside like outside the main room and like they'd always be like a member of the band like selling merch and stuff so like so yeah, there, there was still like that chance to have that interaction. I remember like, I guess kind of like one of the bigger bands that came through like at the time was um, like Every Time I Die, and I remember like um, like Jeff, uh, Keith Buckley like being like behind the merch stand and like everybody like wanting to talk to him like afterwards and stuff. So like there was still yeah there was still I guess like a bit of accessibility to to the bands and stuff, but I guess like nowhere near kind of like that like yeah that being like right up in front of them like screaming in their microphone and things like that which mm-hmm. is obviously what kind of like made me fall in love with with hardcore and stuff mm-hmm. um and yeah that kind of side of things didn't come until i guess i went to like university in london okay and what was the band that the first band that you saw where that perception changed where like you you know sort of made that connection like wait this is different there was a local band in um in the town over from us called um in southampton uh called our town down here and they were kind of like uh a more sort of like punk band um and they they played like the local venue in in southampton quite a lot and that was very much like because they just had, like, all their friends there and, and everything, and it was very much, like, just people, like... all Every show they play, like, people would, like, stage dive, like, there'd be mic grabs and things like that. Um, so that's sort of the first one, like... The first band that I can really kind of think of, but there was probably, like, others that sort of, like, happened. So I remember, like, seeing Converge, like... Obviously, that that's still, like, a bigger band, but they kind of obviously had, like had that energy that people would be like crowd surfing and going going wild and and things like that and then seeing bands like uh like blacklisted in in that in southampton and and things like that so yeah that kind of time period all kind of like amalgamated into one but i'd probably say like the one that sticks out is probably our time down here just because i remember it being like people a little bit older than me like doing that band and like having like a quote unquote following and, and things like that, which was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. 
you said that your brother was playing in bands. Um, yeah. Uh, were you interested in playing bands, like playing in bands yourself from the jump? Um, or Yeah, so my brother plays guitar, still does today. Um, and like as soon as he got a guitar, I was like, well, I want to play something. Um, immediately, I wanted to try my hand at drums but my parents were like we have nowhere to store a drum kit so that's like out of the question um i i tried my hand at bass for a little bit but i i don't know why i just don't have the hand-eye coordination and it like it just does not click um and then i try i thought oh guitar will be easier <laughs> it wasn't easier that's usually um, the opposite yeah usually people yeah. think the other thing but <laughs> um, um my brother bless him he like he tried to like teach me like the most simple of like chords and riffs and things but like my hand just wouldn't stay in the right shape on the fretboard like no matter how many times he told me like my either like my index finger or my middle finger would go on the wrong wrong string and it would just i just couldn't get my head around it but i think like but as i kind of like got more into like really liking music and like absorbing music like it was always like the front person that i was drawn to and i i think it was just kind of natural that like well i don't have the like talents to actually like play a, a musical instrument but i could probably give shouting down the microphone a go um so like and yeah because my brother and all of his friends were in bands when i got into college like there was a lot of like bands starting around there and things so it was, it was definitely like something I, I always kind of wanted to do but it just took a very long time for me to actually start doing something of my own um so i was very much in my my brother's shadow for for many many It's wild. Like I remember when I first started playing guitar. Like I remember, think like just feeling like it was impossible. And like luckily, I'm just like too stubborn. Like I, I, I recognize like at this point in my life, I recognize like when that can be a problem. But I think that yeah. like what a lot of people would consider like my successes or whatever, like are just 100% like. I owe that all to just being stubborn. Like, I just won't. Yeah. Because I, I remember, like, I remember my hands hurting so bad. Like, just 
like I, I would, like they hurt, like the like my whole finger would hurt from just, because I mean, at this point I can realize like, I did not have to be, like. Exerting like my full power on the neck of the guitar like that <laughs> yeah. when I, you know, like at this point I know like how how much pressure you need to do, but it's like at that time you know as I I'm like you so you got to hold this down and you got to hold that down and I'm like really making sure I'm holding it down you know and, yeah yeah and then your hands hurt so bad after like an hour or two hours or whatever at least until you start getting used to it and I just remember like just being so. Just like, no, I'm not, I won't, like, I won't yeah. stop until I can do this. Like, and it's kind of, it's like this weird, this is like weird sort of like uh, A and B side of my brain, which is just like the one side, which is just like, if other people can do this, so can I. And yeah. the, the other sides, that's like, why do you think you could do, you know, like what, yeah, yeah, like yeah. you're not special. Why do you think you could do this? You know? So there's, there's that, like, I mean, I think probably a lot of people have that, if not most people, you know, where it's yeah. just like that, how you alternate between like your either confidence or stubbornness or whatever it is that helps you achieve what you're trying to achieve and that like that sense of defeat or whatever that you're just like struggling against you know i think um, that's the thing like because i've come to realize as i've got older like i'm very much one of those people of like if i'm not at least half decent at something right off the bat then I, i will instantly give up so i think that's kind of what it was it was like i couldn't I didn't have that stubbornness and perseverance to like carry on playing guitar because my fingers hurt. I was like, no, this is too much effort. I'll just, I'll just hold a microphone and shout instead because that's less effort. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, uh, uh, other people also have like different things that they, like me, I was just like, it it was, it was guitar or skateboard or it was nothing, you know, I didn't like other people, they got, stuff that they want to do with their lives and stuff like that you know and it's like so or or you know they got it's like parents that are like what about your grades you know or whatever and like with me it was just like well it's either this or like what you know and like yeah as an outlet it was like i could tell how important that was going to be you know i don't i don't know if that makes sense but like sometimes it's just like yeah so it was just like, mm, I don't know, like I've said, I've said before how it's like when, from the first time that I got a four track, you know, um, machine, like I knew that like being able to do what I do now, which is like, I can make a whole record like by myself from start to finish if I need to, yeah. like, um, that was the goal. And it's like yeah. the first part of the goal was like i gotta learn how to play this guitar you know yeah (laughs) and uh uh, yeah because i mean you know it's like the part it sounds like to me like the part of your expression almost like it started with the vocals and that didn't start that way with me like with me i went to the vocals 
later because I just like, I don't know. I guess I just like found that I didn't really trust people like with like whatever they wanted to sing about. Yeah. Or yeah. or just like I didn't trust them as people to sing over the stuff that I was creating, you know? Yeah. Um, which is like, I don't know, that's like po- possibly a a weird take, you know? But like, <laughs> I think you got to trust people to be oh, involved def- with them creatively, you know? Um, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, I always have this idea and I, I don't know if this like is going to make sense, but it's like, you know, it's like, uh, so a rock guitarist will write this riff and they might be like, this is the fucking most badass riff I've ever written in my life. And then some singer will be like, and I said, Mandy, you're a fine <laughs> girl. And like, maybe the guitarist is like, that fucking rips. Maybe they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? So like, because <laughs> I mean, I'm always like, like hold the line is a pretty good example. Like I think that song's fine. Don't get me wrong, and I have no qualms with the lyrics or or whatever. But like that guitar riff is incredibly hard. Yeah. Like yeah. if you if you strip away everything out and it's just like da na 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 da ba 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 da na na. Like that's pretty badass, and the song's really good. Nothing against like I'm gonna all the you know. um Toto fans just coming right at me after this one. But um but like you know what I'm saying? Like that could have that could have went some other kind of way. Like Oh yeah, definitely. And or it's just like imagine Gwen Stefani just a girl like over like imagine Gwen Stefani being in like a punk band, you know, yeah, like yeah. a legit hardcore band and being like I want to write this song just a girl. Like yeah, imagine yeah. that, you know? So it's just I don't know. I'm always like, I'm always, I'm always wondering like, you know, especially say like when somebody writes about how this girl would be such a fine wife, you know, like <laughs> <sighs> I always just imagine the guitar player being like, oh, fucking, are you kidding me, Greg? You know, yeah. are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like best riff I ever wrote in my life, you know? I can't even think of the riffs from that song right now, so they might not even be good, but. Yeah, but, but no, I got, yeah. So it, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. like. I think like because like I think because I don't know how to play guitar or anything like that. Like when I was sort of like getting into music, like so like again listening to stuff with my brother. My brother would be able to like pick out riffs and sort of like be like, oh, that's really cool. And I'm like, cool. That just sounds like the song to me. And I was picking out the lyrics. So I think that's and like as when I got older, like writing and like part of my job was to do with writing and stuff was always, I guess my creative outlet. So that's Mm -hmm. why like I was drawn, I was always drawn to like the vocalists and lyrics and like just writing down my thoughts and then trying to turn that into some form of songs and things. Obviously like when I was like a teenager, they were God awful, (laughs) but like, I like to think like now now I've kind of like got to the point where like I know what I want to say and like thankfully like my band now like really trusts like me with that and like obviously like we'll we'll kind of like throw ideas back and forth but nine nine times out of ten like 
I'll show them what my lyrics are and they're like okay cool and they're like happy with it sort of thing so yeah it's and so like to have that kind of like complete like creative control over that thing is really really good like good for me yeah um because like every band I've I've been in like I've I've always like wrote about like causes that are, are like significant to me personal experiences and stuff and I, I don't think I could write any other way mm-hmm one of my other questions was going to be like, was this your first band? Cause I've never known uh, you to have been in a band, but um, it sounds like it wasn't. So uh, when did you get started playing in bands and, and how, th- how that work out? Um, so there were numerous failed attempts whilst I was at college um, because like I was surrounded. This was like at the height of like my space and everything like that. So I was surrounded by loads of people that wanted to do like the the token like deathcore bands and things like that. And I was already starting to like lean towards wanting to do like more like hardcore punk stuff. Um, and like just, just the people that like I jammed with, like we just didn't like mesh musically at all. Like people wanted to do more like heavy beatdown stuff or like, yeah it it just wasn't like what i want kind of wanted to do um and then years later me and my brother tried to start a screamo band or like a you know like a more like emo violence band i guess because it was like quite fast um and that like looked really promising we had like a couple of practices um but the drummer that we had at the time um had some like health issues and stuff so he had to like step away and then that kind of just fell by the wayside. Um, but like, I've always kind of been like involved or like around music. So like when I graduated from university, I started like booking shows and things like that. So I, I saw like my friends around me again, like starting bands and things like that. Um, and there was ironically a band that my brother used to be in, uh, called the Divorcee, who they basically had like so many different like member changes. Like my brother was in it, then uh, another one of like my brother's best friend used to be the original vocalist. Then he left. They got another vocalist. That vocalist then left. But because I was really good friends with those guys, like I went to college with them and things like that. They they had a show booked um, in Brighton, and they were like, "We need a vocalist." I was like. I can give it a go. We'll see what happens. Um, and the, well, my recollection of it was like, it was going to be like a, we'll see how this show goes. And then if, if it works out, we'll carry on. Um, and so I did that show with them and then, yeah, I joined the band like properly. Um, like was with them for like maybe three, four years. I can't remember how long we, we were, active whilst I was in it but they were like quite like an established band like back in Portsmouth so it was kind of like I joined them and then we sort of like did bits and pieces for a little while but that was yeah so the divorcee was like my first like proper my first like proper band but yeah that was it you took me a while to get there you said that they were already a band so like you at least at first you were learning songs that other people had written yeah yeah so they like they basically had like 
two EPs worth of like material that um, was already like there for me to like have as reference and stuff, which mm-hmm. like was a little weird because, as I said, like singing like other people's stuff felt a bit strange. Um, but there was a couple of songs which like I kind of like put my own like interpretation into what those lyrics meant. So it kind of like and like the way that like my vocal style was very different to the previous vocalist. So I could like accentuate like different work, like different phrasings to how he would. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, yeah, it, it didn't feel like just fitting the shoes, if that makes sense. Cause I, I tried to make it my own as much as I could, like, especially, especially in those early days anyway. Yeah. I was in a band where, <laughs> where the, <clears throat> the main vocalist, just decided that he didn't want to sing anymore. And, oh, and, um, <clears throat> and so they, they were like, uh, let's get a drummer and you be the vocalist. And I was like, that's cool. Cause I had been used to doing that. And yeah, I was it- like, so can you write your lyrics out for me? And he was like, I don't know what they are. <laughs> and he was, and we had a, like, we had a, we had like a seven inch and stuff getting ready to be pressed. And like, and I was like, you don't know what they are. And he's like, he was like, no, just sing whatever you want. And so like <laughs> off of the recording, I just like, I came up with what I thought the best version of his lyrics were. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and I just did that. And I just like wrote my own stuff. Cause, cause I was like also doing vocals, like on some songs, it's like everybody in the band except the keyboard player did vocals. And yeah. so, you know, it wasn't, it was just like, he was, he was pretty much the main one though. And it was just like, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I like. And you're like, okay, <laughs> uh, that's interesting. But uh, yeah, I think I'd have a panic attack if that was the case. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, I think it's like, it's, it's weird because like I've done I've done that a couple times where like I've just like filled in for a vocalist like like um and um and like like I did I did a bunch of shows as as the vocalist for Gas Up Your Hearse like back in the day like because okay. we used to tour with them all the time and and yeah. their vocalist was like in Texas and um so I did like <clears throat> I did probably more. Like, I at least for these couple years, like I, not probably, I did more shows than their actual vocalist, <laughs> and um, I didn't know any of their lyrics, like none of them, and mm. I didn't write my own. I just made stuff up at every show, and it, <laughs> it was a little bit like, a little bit kind of depending on, like my level of baseline anxiety for that day. It was a little bit. And then there was one show where like my grandmother had just died a couple days before. And I had a, I I had an estranged relationship with her, not entirely bad, but not entirely good. It was just a weird relationship. And she had died a couple days before. And I just did this whole set just like about my grandma dying. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it felt pretty good at the time. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't one of the ones where I was like, "What am I gonna scream about today?" It was yeah. just <laughs> that was one of the ones where I had it. I I had it in, locked in, you know. But yeah, um, yeah. But uh, 
yeah, it's, I don't know. It's funny how, like, I, when, when I was growing up, I always thought, like, there's two people that can't quit the band. That's the guitar player, presumably, that writes the songs, and the vocalist who writes the words. Like, they have to be in the band or it's not the band anymore. But we've obviously seen both of those things, like, uh, change and, uh, like, some bands are better or or worse for it, and that's also also always a matter of uh, taste and opinion as well, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, like how many? I don't even like how many vocalists have like some of these bands have had like Dillinger Escape Plan or whatever, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. and. Um, they're 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 definitely one of the better examples in my opinion of like a band that like I don't know I definitely have my favorite and I th- I I think that my favorite is a lot of people's favorites because they reissue it all the time which is you know calculating infinity but um, yeah. but like uh, they they're one of those bands you know they always they always did something that made each era or whatever um worth checking out nobody yeah i don't think ever anybody was ever like wow this band sucks now you know like (laughs) is what i'm trying to say but um yeah it's 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 wild like did you um at the point where you were in the band for a while did you all go into the studio and record like new songs or or did you not yes yeah so we actually had or have i should say a full record recorded um but it just, it just never saw the light of day unfortunately so basically we had it recorded in 2019 um we played our last show with um so it was when Avero were over here touring in the UK oh yeah and cuz i was i was driving Avero on punch on so it was Avero, Punch On, and my band. Um, and our drummer was doing um, a PhD. So he was like, I need to focus on my PhD. I don't have the time to do the band anymore. Like, this is going to be my last show. Mm. So we were like, okay, cool. Like, we'll, as a band, we were like, not sure what we were going to do, whether. We try out a new drummer and try it like that. Either we completely scrap the band and start anew with a new drummer and like go for a completely new sound. Um, but we obviously still had this record that was like being mixed and mastered. And it just, I don't know why it's not like engineering records and stuff is not my forte, but for some reason it took a lifetime. Um, and then COVID happened. And we were all just sort of like, well, we've got this music. What the hell do we do with it? Um, and we were kind of like toying back and forth with ideas of like, do we just put it out? Do we wait until we kind of come out of COVID and then maybe try and start the band up again? Um, and for some reason, we all just kind of like, there was just, I don't know, yeah, there was just no kind of like, definitive this is what we're going to do with it yeah it just sort of seemed to fizzle out yeah it's lost lost 
traction or steam. Yeah, so so that that record is sat on my hard drive still, um, and but the the other guys in that band, so two of them are ironically now in a band with my brother, um, and obviously like I moved to Bristol and started up um, uncertainty, so it just, it just felt weird to kind of like revisit it because it was stuff that I was writing about when I was in a, obviously a very different headspace. Um, and like, I, I remember, I, I, I think I went back and revisited it maybe like a year or so ago. And I was like, oh, why, why did I write that? And I, like, there's things that I'm really not happy about it. So oh, like lyrically. Hi- yeah. So in hindsight, <laughs> like I'm kind of glad it never told me. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was a shame because like we like we had we had a full length done. We kind of like it was so I've kind of always had this like vision of like being part of a band because I guess like you were like what you were saying earlier like having that goal of like learning the learning the thing and then doing the thing sort of thing. So I guess like my version of doing the thing is like I've always wanted that like to play shows and like not necessarily tour but like just kind of like have that kind of like constant stream of shows and like get like a bit of a reputation for a band i guess Mm -hmm. so when i kind of joined the band because i'd already been booking shows and things so i kind of like knew how to like navigate like booking agents and things like that so I managed to get us on like some quite big high profile shows. So like the the style of music that we played was like sort of like mathcore, like grindcore adjacent. Um so we ended up playing with like there's a ba- band over here in the UK called Frontier who are like really big. Mm-hmm. We su- we supported them, we supported Carbomb, we supported Melt Banana. And we had like like a bit of like momentum like going for us, um, but then there was like a few sort of like creative differences of like what the next step was for the band. So like, some people wanted to write and record. Uh, I wanted to sort of focus on that kind of like maybe not again and say not necessarily touring, but the momentum of like doing live shows and like maybe getting some t-shirts printed so then we could make the money off the t-shirts to go towards paying for the recording and things like that yeah um and essentially i kind of got a little bit outvoted and we went for the recording first which like i'm like i'm not mad about because like it was like the experience of recording was really fun and things like that but yeah it just kind of like as i say everything kind of fizzled out and it now feels like there was nothing to show for like that chapter of, of my life in like being parts of music, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or you know, at least there's there's nothing that you'd care to show because you're sort of yeah. That your your indifference to you know like some of your um, lyrics or or the structures or whatever it yeah. was you know that were bothering you.
this is one of those things. I mean, you could look at it in a couple of ways, you know, and like I think that the that the best way to obviously look at it is not like, you know, <clears throat> is not like, wow, I was like so this then or but rather to be like I'm glad that I recognize that I that I'm not like that. You know, or, or that I wouldn't yeah. write that, you know, not, not even like, I don't know what you're referring to. I'm, I'm just going to be on good faith that it's not like extremely problematic. It's just something that you <laughs> don't, you're not into, you know, it's like, I wouldn't do that now. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. I've, I've talked before about how, like, you know, I had written songs before that were in like a first person narrative when yeah. what I was actually doing was I was trying to sort of like I was trying to tell a story from someone else's point of view, but I was singing the song in first person. And sometimes that doesn't come across the way that I would have liked, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, that one, you know, there's, <clears throat> there's like one example I can think of, you know, offhand is just like, you know, like this song I wrote that was like, essentially it was from like my dad's point of view and my dad like cheated on my wife or on my mom a bunch, you know, his wife, uh, when I was growing up. And so this song is called father figure. And it was like, you know, told from this first person's point of view that like, this is, this is what being a man is all about. And like, I thought it was pretty obvious to 16 year old me or whatever, you know, that when I wrote it like that, this is like all like everything that I'm describing in this song is like a very shitty way to be, you know? But then later on, I sort of like, I, it's like that thing where you look at it and you're like, wait, is somebody like, is this like a manifesto to somebody? You know what I mean? Like almost. And so that's like, not a way that I write songs anymore, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, um, if I'm mad at somebody, I, I, you know, it's like you, <laughs> you, yeah. um, instead and I of, was thing, like, yeah. I was very similar in terms of like, I, like when, like the stuff I was writing, like back then it, it was like, I was like pissed off at stuff and I was like really angry with, with certain things. And like, I thought I was be, being really kind of like, nuanced and clever about it but then like like yeah listening back to it and reading maybe some of the lyrics it was as you kind of said I'd done it in the first person so it was very much oh I am thinking about this thing because I'm mad at it rather than it being like a holistic like everybody should be mad at this thing sort of yeah and and I think that's definitely like kind of like being reflective on that has helped me with write, like writing stuff now because I've obviously like, yeah, I'm still pissed off about stuff and I'm still angry about stuff, but I write it now as from a, like a whole perspective rather than just my perspective. Mm-hmm. And like, so like I'll give you like one example. Like I wrote a song about the, like a, a well-known person within the UK scene um, who got outed basically mm-hmm. like I wrote it and I was like when I listened back to it I was just like this is like such a selfish kind of like like take on that situation because I'm like I'm kind of saying like woe is me when like it shouldn't it was it it was nothing about me like right. yeah I 
<clears throat> I was like present at that time, but like yeah, it it wasn't like one. It wasn't my story to tell, and two, it was like it was yeah. It it just felt very like selfish to be like oh yeah listen listen to my take on this story whereas like now like the stuff i'm talking about i think is like people can well i hope anyway people can kind of take their own sort of conclusions away from it and it not being just solely like oh Tim's pissed off at this thing, so that's what they're talking about. Yeah. So, yeah. like, yeah, having having a more kind of like <clears throat> like subtle take to it, I guess, rather than it being so much on the nose. Yeah. Now, like, what was what was that like for you? Like going, like never really being in a band, and then, I, like, did you go to like a what you'd consider like a proper studio like situation and like what was that whole thing like for you you just like sort of you know i'm not sure how long you were in the band like kind of it kind of doesn't necessarily matter right because it's like this yeah. is the first time you're doing that so like what was that experience like for you just like overall um a little terrifying i'm not gonna <laughs> lie because yeah it like it wasn't like a well, yeah, no, it was a, it was a proper studio, and like the um, studio that we went to is like probably one of, if not the only, like decent sort of like studio in Portsmouth that that does that sort of style of music. So, or like stuff on the more heavy end of things. So, like your DIY punks and hardcores and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just remember being like. Because obviously I kind of came in last. Because obviously we we tracked the drums, we tracked guitars, we tracked bass, and then I kind of came in last. And and I just remember bit like, because I'd been so used to either just hearing myself like recorded on demos and stuff, so being like quite like rough and and not like necessarily lost in the mix, but because we whenever we did demos, it was all obviously all recorded like live and things like that. So you had that, like, the, the the room noise and so on and so forth. Sure. So, so, like, yeah, just standing there in front of a microphone and then kind of, like, hearing to my myself scream and, like, hearing, like, certain bits of my voice crackle that I didn't realise happened. I was a bit like, oh, is that really why it's happening? So it was, yeah, it was, like, it was quite daunting. But, like, I think what really helped was that... Um, the guy who was recording us, uh, ironically, a guy called Tim, um, he was really good at, like, basically just sort of, like, saying, like, okay, you've done that this bit really good, but you're going too fast. Take a breath, slow down. And, like, giving me that reassurance because I think I because I was so, like, anxious about, like, fucking up and getting it wrong, that I was... Because like, we, were, we were a fast band anyway... But I was going like way too fast, and it wasn't like in time. So it was like really good, like that. None of the rest of my band were in the room with me. It, I was just in that room, had the headphones on, and it was just me and the other Tim like talking through the dialogue. Because I think if I'd been with the other guys, I probably would have been 
even more of a, a nervous wreck than I was. Yeah. Um, but, like, on the whole, like, it was a really cool experience. And, like, it was something that I've always wanted to do. Like, as I say, like, even though that record never saw the light of day. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Like, it's it was a really cool experience. It was something that I've always wanted to do. And, like, I'm I'm proud of myself for for doing it and like I'm proud of the the band for for us getting like we ha so I think we recorded I think it was either eight or nine songs in the end and like just like, like that in itself is like an achievement because especially I'm sure it's a similar thing in, in the States as well but you have bands over here that like they'll record like a really rough demo play a couple of, sh of shows and then they'll disappear off the face of the earth sort of thing so mm -hmm. To have that opportunity to actually, and I guess like privilege, because like I'm by no means like sort of uh, I'm, I'm I'm aware that we were like in a position that we could afford to go to a decent studio and and things like that, like because we all had like fairly well like decent enough jobs and things that we could pay for out of our own pocket sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And like again, yeah, I know not everybody can can have that experience. So, I think like yeah, it like I'm really thankful to have that experience. But on a very personal like point of view, yeah, it was very nerve wracking, and it, <laughs> it, it didn't it didn't feel natural because I was so I'm so used to like being on the performing side of and of like grabbing music. the mic and yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, so like just it's a di there different thing. Into like a, a pop box and things like that. It just it didn't feel natural at all. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, t you you Tim's got to stick together, so you you made it happen. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so like, uh, um, how was this? How was this experience different from when you did the uncertainty demo? Um, like night and day, because so. Basically, a friend of ours, um, Rory, who's in numerous bands here in Bristol, he helped record, record it, and we literally just did it in our practice space. There's like a like a bigger room in in the building that we use, um, and the four of us just basically stood like across from each other, as far away from as possible as we could, um, and just recorded it live and. Again, because I like, I, I had my mic in my hand. I was able to like hold it how I would hold it if I was if we were doing a show and things like that. So it just felt very natural. Okay. Um, and I think we did it in like two, maybe three takes, which I was blown away by because I thought like you thought I, your band I, was really bad. <laughs> no, I, thought, I don't know what you're going at here <laughs> I thought I was going to be really bad so oh, okay. I, I thought I was just going to like yeah I, I've just got because even now when I look kind of like listen to the demo like I'm, I'm so proud of it but I'm always going to be like my own worst critic so like there's little bits again where I can hear like the crack in my voice where I'm like oh god sort of thing sure um, but like it, we we wanted to do that just because we wanted to get music out there as sort of as quickly as possible and like yeah like just being able to do it in that room rory who recorded it with us was like 
as I say, after we'd done like the second take, take, he was like, yeah, I think we've got it. And like, just like, as I say, the, the critic in me was like, can we just do one more just for the sake of it? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it was like complete night and day compared to like recording the record with the divorcee. Yeah, sounds like it. It's more or less live. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, literally, yeah. Um, I think we went, I think we only had like, maybe, I think we had the drums mic'd up and, and obviously like the guitar and bass amp and then I just went straight into, so we recorded it to tape mm-hmm. um, and I just went, uh, I don't know the technicalities of it, as I said, I'm not a music engineer, but I just went straight into the the PA and whatever the Rory was using. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty like, it was very DIY, very sort of live and raw. And I think that kind of comes off on like what you can hear on that on the demo as well. Yeah, and I mean it should with that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff, you know. I mean, it's I, I, you know, nobody like nobody's getting pumped up on like, you know, a super watered down sounding version of something like that, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, that's that is that is night and day, and I I always find that you know. I always find that really fascinating when someone's had sort of that backward trajectory that you've had where it's like yeah. your first experience was like, you know, Butch Vig, like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, the labels calling in, like, how are they doing on the record? You know, um, <laughs> yeah. and not quite that, of course, but like, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Cause like, yeah, I mean, you know, um, most people do go the other way where it's like, yeah, it's the four track. It's whatever you know, whatever it is. Uh, it's people all dialed into to the sixteen track mixer, going yeah. like straight to one track. Like it's and it's like there is no mixing this later. Like yeah. <laughs> it's just what we get is what we get. But um, you know that's obviously not the case with uh with exactly with what y'all were talking about. But that was kind of how the. Uh, that was kind of how the Akimili demo was as far as like the drums all had to go into the the mixing board so the drums had to be mixed like period the drums were going into one track and then other things could be mixed later because you could just pump those in but we didn't have the ability to to do eight like drum mics in yeah. separate channels it was just like okay the drums if the drums don't go in right then they're just not right but um yeah i don't know it's i i love like all of the different recording stories because like you can just you can hear like the wildest stories like oh we did this and it's just like you're like that is so cool like <laughs> like people will always find a way to like make their sounds and everything and i I, I don't know. That's fantastic. Um, so yeah, um, you know, you, so you go for a while and you don't really have that outlet and then you, you start uncertainty and then, you know, um, like, what is it about like this project to where you're like, okay, like, what, like where, where does the ski mask thing come in? Like, cause this is like, this is a big thing in the States. Like every show that you would play in 2019 would have a ski mask band. But like, wh- where does this, like, where does this come in for you? Because, you know, uh, 
as far as I knew, you had this really nice mustache and like, why are you trying to cover that up? Like, what's the story there? <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, it was cool. So I've got to give like props to to the other people in my band. Like they've let, they've honestly just like kind of let me run with this. Um, so like when I kind of like pitched the sort of whole idea to them was I wanted us to be like a punk hardcore band that like I guess yeah like like fucked with like the norms of what was expected of like male presenting people to look and sound like in hardcore and especially like here in the UK because like they like don't get me wrong like some of these bands are like really good friends of mine but we like there there is a tendency for it to be like on that heavier kind of like beat down sort of style of hardcore or like bands that have been influenced by bands like Marauder and things like that, where it is like, like a heavier hardcore sound. And like, we, we kind of wanted to go for that, but like, just not have the kind of like, I guess the, the macho masculinity that kind of like went along with it. Um, but because obviously I, I am male presenting, like I wanted to take away from that. And like the initial idea was going to be like the, like every show we did, I would like have a different look. Like my initial plan was like, I would maybe do like a show with the ski mask and then I would do a show in drag and then I would do a show in a dress and like, just kind of like change it up like each time. Um, but we did, we did our first show and I had the ski mask and I, I can't remember who said it, but somebody was like, that's really cool. And the fact that like, I keep it on the whole set, like I don't take it off. Like they were just like, that's a really cool like thing to do. Um, and then like, we kind of started to talk about like the color scheme that we wanted to go for, for, for the demo. Um, and yeah, I, I just came, I kind of came up with the idea of like this, cause I, I've, I've always loved hardcore and stuff like that. And I've, I've loved like the iconography of it. So like the idea of like the classic, like New York hardcore, like Boston hardcore having like the hooded Mosher like on their records, I wanted to like put my own spin on that. So that's why like our, our Mosher has like, is wearing a skirt because like that wouldn't be something that you would necessarily normal see normally see in in hardcore for a male presenting person to wear sure um and then it just kind of like elevated from that like well i've created this character so i now need to like embody that character and it's it's just kind of like grown from there and it's be- kind of become like our our signature now which like like it's it's really cool and really unexpected, and I think like loads of people seem to like really dig it. Like we've made like friends in like other bands around the UK now purely because they think it's cool what we're doing. Yeah. The on the cover, the ski mask is pink, and the and like you said, the person is wearing a skirt. Is that is the I can, I mean like a lot of your photos are black and white. Is it usually pink? Yeah, so so oh, okay. the so the back cover I wear is is pink, and then 
I I tend to wear like a black skirt, um, but if I, I've I've got like other outfits as well that I kind of like sort of change around. But yeah, the the ski mask is always pink. Oh, okay, yeah, I couldn't tell that. I didn't really. I, <clears throat> I didn't until like, um, you know, you're you saying that it was uh, resemblant of the demo cover. I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's, I mean, I always, like, I always thought that, um, those, uh, you know, all those, like, bands where there was, like, a character, you know, like, I always thought that that stuff was really cool. And every time I tried to do that with, like, one of my bands, everybody was always like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I have this one, like... It was me and a couple of the people from that band Marital Rolls and yeah. um and and we were going to call it Books on Tape and first of all they were like they were like um there's already a band called Books on Tape and I was like I don't care <laughs> <laughs> and then second of all like um they didn't like the drawing that I made but it, I thought it was really cool it was like it was this person and they had a hoodie and they had a Walkman on like you could see the Walkman yeah. under the hoodie and they had like the Walkman part in their hand and they were pressing the play button and there was like That's cool. there was like blood oozing out of their ears but they were like <laughs> clearly like cool. clearly like very excited like about yeah. like the music they were like hell yeah and um <clears throat> they were like no and then <laughs> and then we, yeah, we had three buttons, songs yeah we had three songs and I still have like the little demos or whatever. We had three songs, and then I was like, "Let's do that again." And they're all like, "Oh, it's so far to drive to your house. It's forty-five minutes." <laughs> like that's how like that's how people are in the states. It's like, "Oh, it's so far to drive." And you talk to like people like the people in Katy, and they're like, "Yeah, we drive like six hours to like have practice or whatever." <laughs> people in the states are like, "Oh, forty-five minutes. It's so far." <laughs> that's hilarious yeah yeah i don't know it's just like it's one of those things where if you live in a city where there's like lots of people to play with it's just like it's almost worse for you creatively i'm not yeah. like i'm not this isn't just like about them anymore i'm not you know like if they're listening i sincerely doubt that but like um it, it this is just like an observation that i've had yeah. and it it, it it works on a lot of levels uh, that I've discovered is, is just like, if you live in a city where there's a lot of people to play with, like <clears throat> it's almost worse for you creatively because like, like all the people that I know that are like really talented and they are just surrounded with people, like they never stay in bands long enough for anything to like really, you know, and like <clears throat> they'll play in like, three bands and somehow none of them do anything and it's like (laughs) it just i mean i don't know it's just like this the the overabundance and like the ability to just like do whatever whenever it it's just like i'll do it next time kind of thing instead of like somebody like like i never have people to play with so i'm always like "Ah." but Yeah, um, yeah um so like you just released your demo in um uh, was it June or July? Either, um, in the summer. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, like, you know, you've you've 
like been playing some shows and stuff. I'm I'm not sure like how recently or whatever, but like what is what's on the horizon for for uncertainty at this point? Um we've well we've actually like we've been like super busy and like we've well so me and um Isaac the drummer uh are kind of like the two that keep sort of bouncing different ideas off each other in terms of like, what we want, what, what what we'd like to do and things like that. And um, Kyle and Adam, our bassist and guitarists, like, bless their souls, they just kind of seem to put up with us and go with the flow. Um, but I, I've kind of, like, set out, like, what I my, my desired, like, plan here. Um, so because, like, we're all, like, in our like thir- like mid mid thirties, Adam's a bit a bit older. Like we've obviously all got jobs and stuff. So like the idea of like doing like a lengthy tour is probably not on the horizon anytime soon. But we've um we've we're doing a few shows uh, in April with a band from New York called Spaced, um, which is going to be really cool. We're gonna actually go in and record our EP um, in January as well um, which that like talking about like recording experiences is going to be like I'm really looking forward to it because so our guitarist Kyle he is um, really into like he does like uh, recording and engineering as well so they're going to record us but then our friend uh, Jake who's in a band called Harriet um, is potentially going to mix and master it. So it's basically, again, we've just got like a bunch of friends like helping us out, which is going to be really cool. Um, so yeah, hope we're going to record that in January, hopefully get it out sort of end of Feb, beginning of March. Um, and then just, we want to just try and like do as much, many shows as possible, really. Like we, we're hoping to do like maybe like a couple of weekenders throughout the year. We've got one potentially planned for February, but we're waiting on one more date to be confirmed before we can announce it. Um, but yeah, that, like, as I said earlier, like that's when it comes to like music, that's always been my goal is to like, just go out and play shows. So that's kind of like what I want to do as much as possible. Really. And that was my conversation with Tim Birkbeck. Thank you so much, Tim, for taking the time to chat with me. It really was a pleasure. Thanks to everyone for listening along wherever you are as well. Until next time, take care and do good things.